The following is a special presentation from Pastor Joanne Ramsey and Speak the Word Ministries. We trust God's Word will bless you as you listen to this message. Here's Pastor Joe. I ran across this article the other day and I thought to myself, Lord, this used to be me. And I think about that, you know, in, in my little notebook here over the years, and I've discussed this before, over the years, especially back in 2004 and five, and the Lord was speaking into my spirit and telling me what I was gonna be doing today and instructing me about all the things that I'm doing. And, and, and as he continues to tell me daily on the things that he is still going, that he has plans for and that he's gonna do, but he has plans not only to bring you out from where he brought you out to, but he also has plans to bless you and to continue to bless you and pour blessings upon you. So I want you to understand that as we go through this. Some of you may be familiar with Pastor John Olstein. He went home to be with the Lord in 1999, I, I believe. He's a powerful man of God. He's the father of Joel Olstein. I have to admit, I don't really listen to Joel, but I really enjoyed his father, John. He was a powerful man of God, and uh, I still watch him somewhat on YouTube. He's really good. I borrowed some of this from one of his books this morning I wanted to share with you. Saints, this morning, I want you to think hard about what I'm going to share with you and see if any of these things apply to you and if so, what you can do to change them, okay? There was a certain Christian who said he could not and doubt rose like a giant and conquered him. He spoke continually of sickness and sickness plagued him. He declared weakness and so he became weaker. He told all of his family and his friends that his debts could never be paid and that he would never have enough money to make it. Does that sound familiar? I think about this little blue book here and the years that I started out writing in this book, I was this person. Some of you in here this morning was that person. Maybe still are having some struggles, but maybe you've come past that. And when we get to the end, you will have become that Christian. Hallelujah. Hallelujah said he declared weakness and he became weaker. He told all of his family and friends that his debts would never be paid and that he would never have enough money to make it. And so poverty moved in to live with him. I know lots of people who have done this and probably still do, some in my family. He constantly expressed fear of the past, the present and the future and finally fear gripped him. Fear is such an awesome thing. It's such a powerful enemy weapon of the enemy. If he can grip you into fear, he can keep you from performing and doing the way and doing the things that God wants you to do. I know he's had me at times in so much fear that I couldn't do what he really asked me to do. I would only could do part of what he'd asked me to do. I had, no, I had too much fear to complete what he asked me to do. Fear is a terrible thing and the enemy uses it against us. And he gets us to talk about it in the present. He talks, he gets us to relive it every day in the past. He gets us bringing up old things in the past, you know, whether it's past uh, hurts, that somebody has hurt you, or where you've had a death in the family, or whatever it, that my past might be. Maybe you, you had some terrible things to happen to you in the past. I know I have, and I could write, a, I could write, write I just began to write another book on prayer, but I could write a book on the things that he has shot at me. 
and, and, and I could stand up here and talk about it. And, and when I'd get through talking, you'd say, well, Pastor Joe, how in the world can you, how did you overcome? How did you come out of that? How are you able to get up there and preach the word and be so happy and filled with peace and joy? I do it because I began to say what my father says. I began to confess out of my mouth what he says about me and not what I say about me, but what my father says about me. Are you hearing me? And we talk about the future. We're always predicting, predicting that something bad is going to happen. We never think about the good things. We're always thinking about the possibility of the negative happening. We're, we're expecting it. And we're always going to get what we expect. So this Christian, he feared the past and the future. And finally, the fear gripped him. He scattered his words everywhere. And like seeds of poison, they grew around him. And whether you're aware of it or not, when the words that are coming out of your mouths, they are seeds. But they can be fertile seeds. They can be good seed that will produce a harvest in your life, that will produce blessings in your life. But some people, the things that they spew out of their mouth are like poison. And it poisons their life, but not only your life, but it poisons all those around you. Are you hearing me? You really need, as I said, watch the words that's coming out of your mouth. To hear him talk, he had it very bad. He thought God had treated him unfairly and that God had left him on his own. There's so many in here this morning that feel the same way. You might, not, you might be having trouble in uh, maybe acquiring a place to live or, or a vehicle or, or uh, something, sickness in your body, and you keep praying about it. And, and the Lord, you feel like, has left you on your own and, and you're wondering and you're asking yourself, God, why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you hearing me? I have been praying and I've been pleading with you. But right there is where we're making our mistake, the Holy Spirit says. You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead with our Father. All you have to do is ask in faith, believing. You receive and it shall be yours. Amen. There is no begging. There is no pleading. Are you hearing me? Amen. Don't beg. Don't plead. That doesn't affect our Lord. It doesn't turn him on. It does not make him want to answer your prayers. Because he knows that if you're begging and pleading, that you, help, you don't know what his word says. And that you're not acting in faith. And he's only moved by faith. And the word that he says. He did not realize that he was to blame. This Christian did not realize that he was the one that was to blame. And I'm talking about myself too. As I said, I have a whole book of it. You know, you realize that you're the one that is holding up the blessing. Once we ask the Father for something, then we must believe we receive it, and then we must go on about our business and trust that he knows best and that he's going to handle it in the best way that's going to benefit us the most. Are you hearing me? It's always, he's always has our best interest at heart. And sometimes we don't have our best interest at heart. Sometimes we don't know what's good for us, but he always knows what's good for us. We're, he's our creator. He's our father. He created us. He created us with desires. He did not realize that he, like God, created things with his words. So many of us listening online this morning and sitting in here this morning is like this man. He did not realize that he, like God, creates with his mouth. You create what you want in life. 
You create it. You want wealth, you create wealth. You want health, you create health. You want blessings, you create blessings. But you have to do it by following the word of God. And you have to do it in line with what he says. You can't do it your way. Got to do it his way. It never occurred to him that mankind is the only creation of God that can speak God's powerful thoughts and thus be a creator like his maker. I'm going to say that again. It never occurred that ma him that mankind is the only creation of God that can speak God's powerful thoughts and thus be a creator like his maker. We speak words, speak his words. It's just like him, same as him speaking them. We are created in his image and his likeness. And as the Lord keeps reminding me every day, the self-same power, the self-same spirit that flowed through the disciples and flowed through Peter and Jesus as they were ministering flows through me and you. It's not a different power. It's not a different spirit. He keeps reminding me, Joe, it's the self-same spirit. Take advantage of it. Don't be afraid of it. And I have to admit, sometimes I'm afraid of it. I've been afraid of it. Been tempted to be afraid of it. But no more. No more. One day this Christian found the truth about the power of words. He found this truth in God's word. In John 17, 17, it says there that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It also says sanctify them by your truth. Sanctified means to set apart. So set apart by his truth, the things that you, the enemy has been putting in your thoughts and in your mind and trying to get you to dwell on, change them and be set apart from those words and just only speak what God gives you. God's word tells us that the death, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof in Proverbs 18, 21. This Christian, he learned that he had never, that he had been snared by the words of his mouth According to Proverbs 6, 2, he had been caught. He found out that he could have what he says. According to Mark eleven twenty three, 23, he says, For surely I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he says he will have whatsoever he says. If he believes, I capitalize believe, you have to believe it in your heart. The same way when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He said, you believe, in your, you, speak, you believe it in your heart and speak it out of your mouth. Right. Everything else, the Lord impressed upon me many, many years ago. Joe, everything else comes the same way. You believe it in your heart and you speak it out of your mouth. Are you hearing me? Right. This Christian was amazed at his discovery of the spiritual law. And that's what it is. It's a spiritual law. We have natural laws and we have spiritual laws. And this is a spiritual law. Saints, a person will create and bring to pass what he continually says and what he focuses on. I'm going to say that again. You will create and bring to pass what you continually say and what you continually focus on. He became very aware that it had worked negatively in his whole life. There are some people that I can look at, friends, family, and I can tell from their life that it has been working against them negatively. And I can name many, many reasons why. They don't have to say anything. But they 
always tell you I'm trusting the Lord. Always tell you I'm trusting the Lord. And I'm believing that the Lord is going to do this and he's going to do that. And he will. If you can back it up with his word. But if you can't back it up with his word, and some of these things he's already done. So if you're believing for healing, he ain't going to do that because he's already done that. So anything that he's already done, he's not going to do because he's already done. Okay? But there are some things he hasn't already done, but he's got a promise for it. He's got a seed for it. If you go into the hardware store looking for some seed, I've seen them where they have, like, at Lowe's, I've seen where they have a whole rack there, like maybe that pole there, you know, a whole rack of all different types of seed. And so you don't go up there and just pick them all up. You know, you have something in mind. You have a plan. Okay, I'm planning a garden, so I don't want this and that in my garden. I want this in my garden, so I get a pack of this, and I get a pack of this, and I get a pack of that. And, and so when I plant it, that's what I expect to grow. Are you hearing me? Your seed that's coming out of your mouth will determine your harvest, always. If it's tomatoes you plant, you tomatoes you get. If you plant tomatoes and speck beans, you're in trouble. But this is what's happening in the Christian world. And the, one of the reasons why it's happening is because the devil has tricked you. And we're going to get a little bit down to that toward the end of the message here, where it looks like I'm taking a different road down, but I'm not. But he tricks you under religious laws That's right. That's true. to keep you in the, in the dark. So you can't grab a hold of what really belongs to you. He said, you know, he makes you think that's a religious thing to even believe that or even speak that. When it's not, it's what God himself did. Brothers and sisters, you have to understand. Oh, yes. And he realized that if his life was ever going to be different, his words had to change. If your life is ever going to be the way you want it to be, and are praying that it'll be, then your words, your seeds are going to have to change. You're going to have to go back to that store. And that store is the Word of God. True. And, and you're going to have to select the seed that you want. Whatever, whatever that is, you go back. The Bible tells you in Genesis that He's given you a seed for everything. And God does not lie, according to Jeremiah. Never lies. So there is a seed there. You may not have found it, but there's a seed there. Brothers and sisters, we have to understand, that, as this Christian did, that this law works both for the positive and the negative. In other words, when you speak negative things, you're going to get that too, which I just said. What did this Christian do? He began to read the Bible in a new light, and he saw the great redemptive truths that he began to, as he began to see himself as God saw him. That is so important that we see ourselves or make an effort Maybe we can't see, maybe this morning I can't totally see myself the way God sees me. I wish I could. And maybe you can't either. But if you will strive to begin to try to see yourself the way God sees you, it'll make a big difference in your life, in your prayer life, in every part of your life, in every aspect of your life. He began to see, this, this Christian, he began to see himself 
as God sees him. Psalms 119, 130, and King James says, the entrance of thy word gives light. It gives understanding into the simple. God looked at him and said, you are my child. You are born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. According to 1 Peter 1.23, he says, you are forgiven of all sins and you're washed in the blood of Jesus. He says, you are a new creature delivered from the power of darkness and translated to God's kingdom. According to Colossians 1.13, he says, you have been redeemed. He's telling this this Christian, he's telling you this morning that you have been redeemed from the curse of the law, according to Galatians 3.13. You are the light of the world, and you are the salt of the earth. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. You have, have, not going to, but you have received the power of the Holy Spirit. Saints, you, you have power over all the power of the enemy. Not just little bits, pieces here and there, but all over all the enemy. You have the power to lay hands on the sick and see them fully recover, according to Mark 16, 18. Just lay hands. Did you know that another religious thing says, you know, the Bible didn't say anything in that verse about praying. Did it, Pastor Larry? Any other pastors in here? Did it say anything about praying? What did it say? Lay your hands. And they shall recover. You know how they're going to do that? Through the Holy Spirit that's living, the power of God that's living in you and your faith. Through your faith, you believe yourself. You have faith that if I lay hands on you, you're going to be healed. You can sit next to somebody that's in trouble and reach out and lay a hand on them. And then thank God for the healing. Don't even have to disturb anybody. You know, but so many people have been filled with so much religion that they feel they got to feel certain things. They got to be real loud. They got to pray long. But the Bible tells you, you know, don't be like the hypocrites who like to pray. There's nothing wrong with praying. I love to pray, I pray. But my point is, let's do what the Word says. You know, just do what we see Jesus do. Yeah. If you see somebody sick, lay hands on them. If you want to say a short prayer, say a short prayer. That's okay, I do. But my point being this morning is that religion keeps us from doing so many things that prevents us from receiving and the person that you're praying for from receiving. But so many people feel like, and Pastor Larry and any other pastor in here can agree with me, that if somebody comes up prayer, if you don't pray a long prayer and they don't feel chills, then they didn't get healed. And it has nothing to do with any of that. It just has, it's, in, it's all in your head. It just has to do with the power of God. Are you hearing me? God's power, you either have faith in that power or you don't. You have faith, you either have faith in that name, the name that is above every name, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, or you don't have it at all. And if you don't have faith in that name, then I don't care how long you stand there and pray. They're going to go home just the way they came. And so many people get healed and are not aware of it because they feel like they didn't feel anything. They think they didn't feel anything or whatever. And so they missed their healing when all along they were healed. Are you hearing me? 
And Jesus said, I am with you, and I'll never leave or forsake you. Hallelujah. This Christian immediately began to say what God said about him. His words changed, he, and he declared to God and man what God said about him. He spoke it in the face of difficult times, and times when fear and doubt tried to take over. He continued to say, I am God's child, for I am born of the incorruptible seed of the word. And that's what we have to do. No matter what the times are, no matter how difficult or whatever's going on, we have to speak the God's word. He said, the Christian said, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God. I'm, in, I'm strong in the Lord. And that's what he tells us. He said, you know, let the weak say they're strong. Right. Are you hearing me? He said, I have the greater one living in me, according to 1 John, 1, 1, uh, 1 John 4, 4. And I could go on and on, saints. At first, this Christian made these statements of fact somewhat quietly, a little unsure of himself. And that's okay. Because sometimes when we start confessing what God says about us, maybe we don't have that boldness to really speak up and feel like we feel the power behind it. As a matter of fact, the devil is immediately going to tell you that you are, that is doing nothing. If it was doing something, you would know it. Liar. If you plant that seed in the ground, you trust that the seed you planted eventually is going to come up. It's germinating down there and it's going to come up, right? The same as any seed, you know, that you plant. You know, he tells you it's not working because you don't see immediate change. It's not working, but neither does the seed you planted in the ground. I mean, wouldn't that be something? Plant the seed and go back a few hours later and see it popped up there and bearing tomatoes. <laughs> it doesn't always work that way. You know, it would be nice. And, and God does perform miracles. He's a miracle working God. And he can perform a miracle just as well. But I find that through my scripture and the scriptures that I read, it was always a process. It says, you know, you, they, will, they will recover. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. As I said, he said them at first, but however, later he began to believe in his heart what he spoke with his mouth, and he began to declare them more boldly. So the more you speak it, and the more it gets down into your spirit, not your head, but into your spirit, it goes from here to here. You, the more you have faith in what you're saying, the more boldly you can say it. You know yourself, whether it's something about the word or something else that you believe in, you can talk about it with great boldness and authority because you know you've been there, you've done that. And that's what I'm saying about the Word of God. You get that Word so engrafted into you that you can speak it and preach it with boldness because you've been there. You know that. You know that when you prayed, He heard you. You know that when you laid hands on that person, they were healed. You know that when, the other day when I was praying for it not to rain, it wasn't going to rain on my parade. <laughs> it all stayed away. I reminded him of another time. I told the Lord, I said, I'm reminding you like David did, you know. I'm reminding you back in Warsaw, back in 1995 or six, when you held the rain back and it was as black as it could be. It was as black as Nancy's jacket back there. 
but it had been raining for days. But I prayed, and everybody kept asking me, and it kept coming in. Well, Pastor, uh, uh, or Joe, what, what, you know, uh, what, I don't know what to call me then, but anyway, hopefully it was nice. But, <laughs> but Joe, you know, how, how are you going, you know, my husband and my brother-in-law was standing out by the garage with an umbrella, you know, cooking the pig, you know. You know, said, so, you know, what are you going to do about this rain? And I, I said, it's going to stop. And they said, it doesn't look like it. I said, it's going to stop, and I just kept mixing up my potato salad. I mean, I, I know I've told this before, but it did. It stopped. We had, we had to pick picking outside. I told him it wasn't an in, you know, it was, an out, it was not an um, inside thing. It was an outside barbecue, you know, and so we have it outside. And, you know, it held up until we took the last thing off the table, and it started raining again. But, but one of the commissioner's wives looked over toward Warsaw, that town, like, say, Chesapeake, and she saw that big cloud, and she said, it, Joe, she says, it looks like somebody, I see it, it's like a hand holding that back. <laughs> and, and you know, as I was telling, sharing with somebody uh, Thursday, is that that was, uh, when she said that, she had no idea what she was saying, but I knew what she was saying. I knew that that was God's hand holding it back. Yes. And Thursday too. You know, and, and, and so, like I said, the Lord will speak to you through a person or through a song or through whatever, and maybe they don't even know what they've said. She didn't know what she said, but my spirit just jumped in, and I was a fairly new Christian at the time, so I was, I was really excited because I was experiencing so many healings and so many miracles, you know, and that was a miracle, you know. And we, we experienced, but we have to, every day we need to wake up and acknowledge that God is our Father, that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and the Holy Spirit is our, is our teacher. He's a primary, above all, a teacher, but he's also your advocate and your helper and your standby. But he, the Bible says primarily he's sent as a teacher to teach us. It says here, his friends thought he was foolish. They even felt he was not telling the truth because things did not look any different. Don't you think that day? That when I was telling the people it wasn't going to rain, been raining for days, that I didn't look kind of foolish. But who cares? I, I'm beginning to care less and less what people think, and that's something I had to work on. We all have to work on that and just not worry about what people have to say. How many times have you prayed and confessed the word and didn't see any evidence right away? And maybe your friend or some of your relatives mocked your beliefs. I have my friends, I've had some of my families mock my beliefs, you know, because they, was, they, they will come back, if nothing else, they'll say, well, you have to use um, uh, what, wisdom. They'll come back with something to let you know that, you know, they don't believe that, you know. But that's okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not upon them to believe it. It's upon me to believe it. It's upon you to believe it. It doesn't matter what your friends or your relatives think. It's upon you to believe it. Are you hearing me? But this Christian knew, just as I know now, that he had God's eternal miracle working power in his mouth. And that's where I want all of you to be today and continue to be with God's miracle working power in your mouth every day from the time you hit the floor in the morning until you get into bed at night. He knew that God's word is quick and powerful. Like it says in Hebrews 4.12, he says that his word is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. He says it'll cut through bone and marrow, even to divide in the spirit and soul. Are you hearing me? He knew that. 
He knew that God's word spoken out of his mouth would create the changes that he so desperately needed in his life. Some of you in here this morning need some, are in need of some desperate changes in your life. It could be something that most people might consider minor or small, but to you, it's not. To you, it's big. You know, cause it, and, and another thing you have to understand, too, is that the Lord says that if, it, if it, it concerns you, it concerns Him. So it doesn't matter if it's small. Are you hearing me? It, or at large. He's God of all. That's right. Little big. Doesn't matter. Can any of you in here this today use some changes in your life? You know, even if you feel like you're sitting on top of the world today, we can all use some changes. It doesn't matter. You don't, I don't think we ever get to a place in life to where we couldn't want, that we wouldn't want to change maybe a few things and make them a little bit different, a little bit better, if not for ourselves, for someone else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think you do better thinking about others and how you can help change theirs than you would yourself because if you get busy helping them change theirs, then God will change yours. True. I find that's true. The more I do for others, the more the Lord does for me. And don't tell anybody. Right. Just do it. Yeah. Just let the Lord bless your socks off. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he believed in his heart and he continually declared the word out of his mouth. And saints, that is what you have to do, no matter how tough the going gets. And Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And that's how you're going to have good success is when you meditate on God's word day and night. True. The apostle Paul explained it in Romans um, 10, 8. He said that the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Right. Saints, I realize that we do get discouraged because we don't see change immediately. I'm no different than you. But we have to hold fast to our confession. Yeah. Right. We have to hold fast. Even when you can't see any evidence of change. Days, weeks, and months went by for this believer. Days, weeks, months, and in some cases years went by for this believer. Didn't see any evidence. And in the natural thought it was all impossible. But I didn't say that. Just because you think it don't mean you got to say it. Don't let the devil trick you into saying everything you think. You wait until you can keep a zipper on it until you can say something different. Go write it down. But I was the same way. If I had listened to the enemy, I wouldn't be here this morning. Things were the same at first. They were the same at first. But they slowly began to change. God's word began to germinate. And when, when, once God's word began to germinate, it began to produce fruit. I began to see some fruit. It was a little puny at first. You never seen these fruit trees that had little puny fruits. <laughs> but it was fruit. Making progress. It's like that little bush that David planted out in my yard. It's got little puny plumes on it. But I'm praying if you'll keep watering it, like I keep telling him, water, water. And that's what we do with the word. When we're praying for something, we don't have to pray the same prayer. We don't pray the prayer again, but we keep watering it. 
and watering it until we see some blooms or we see some fruit. And he's been real faithful with that. <laughs> he told me not to throw him under the bus anymore, so I'm not going to throw him under the bus today. <laughs> he's been real faithful with the water. <laughs> Actually, he is faithful with the, literally with the water, but with the Word of God, too. And that's what makes him who he is and makes us all who we are. Praise the Lord. And one day, this Christian realized that he had confidence instead of doubt. Success instead of failure and strength instead of weakness. One day, he realized that he wasn't that weakling that started out. He wasn't the sick person that started out. He had confidence in himself, and he had great boldness to speak the Word of God. My prayer is always, God, just continue to pour out upon me a spirit of boldness and authority so I can speak just like Jesus did. So that people be amazed at how that girl that don't know nothing can speak. And I still don't know nothing much, but the Holy Spirit, he's here with me. And he knows it all. He searches all things and knows all things. He knows when I should put a word in and when I should just skip on down that one. He had faith instead of fear. He had joy and peace instead of despair. He had done what the Lord had told him in Hebrews 10.23. It said in, in Hebrews 10.23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hallelujah. Saints, remember, a person creates and brings to pass what he continually says. And I want to share a little about what the Lord revealed to me concerning many, some believers, why some believers are having such a hard time. And uh, I mentioned to Pastor Larry last week when he asked me what I was going to preach on, I told him ice cream, and he's probably wondering when I'm going to get to the ice cream part. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> ice cream. But during my prayer time a few days ago, I ran across this in my study time, and it was titled, No Squirrels Allowed. As I was reading this, the Lord gave me some revelation on how so many believers think. And I know that many of you can relate to this because when you're spending your quiet time with the Lord and you can look at something and all of a sudden you see something you didn't see before and, and then the Lord will start speaking to you and, and giving you revelation and, 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 and insight in, into what, you know, he takes that, maybe that one cone of ice cream <laughs> and, turns it in, and turns it into a sermon. I mean, I used to go ride down the road and look at a billboard and get a sermon out of it. <laughs> you know, because the Lord, you know, he's always, if you're listening, He's always speaking. If you're listening, praise God. He is, he is listening. It says, no swirls allowed. The writer was saying that ice cream can sometimes be bought in a swirl, a mix of two flavors, usually chocolate and vanilla. He says, it's for those who can't decide on one or the other, or who like both equally well, or who like the mix itself. However, what is good for ice cream is bad and is dangerous when mixing the law with grace. Yeah. That's right. yeah. The Lord used this little scenario to reveal to me how a lot of believers respond concerning their faith, just like the person who can't decide which flavor ice cream he wants. Many are still trying to live in the Old Testament under the law and also try to live in the New Testament under grace, and it doesn't work. True. It's not like McDonald's. You can't have it your way. Are you hearing me? That's right. You're either going to have to accept 
what Jesus died to give us and free us from or continue to try and live by the law. And this is one of the things I was talking about earlier, about religious. That was for the Pharisees, the religious laws. Jesus was constantly putting them down. Because, you know, the Pharisees, they didn't believe in the new word, the new message that Jesus and the disciples were preaching. He, and that's why they were being so persecuted, because they didn't want change. They wanted to keep walking around with the word, you know, nailed, you know, pinned on, you know, uh, taped to their foreheads and, and have people running before them, you know, tooting their horn, you know, their things, you know, as they prayed. They wanted to leave things the way they were. And there's so many things, there's nothing wrong with studying the Old Testament and the New Testament. We, we live, but you got to know where you live. It's okay for Pastor Larry and him to come to visit me, but they got to go home sometime. <laughs> they don't live there. Are you hearing me? The Holy Spirit said that. He, as, as to demonstrate what you're doing, it's all right to visit the Old Testament, but you can't live there. You live in the New Testament. You live under grace. You don't live under the law anymore. Amen. Jesus, if, he, if you're trying to live under the law, then what Jesus died for is not benefiting. True. It was for no purpose whatsoever. And he wanted to deliver you out of misery because Old Testament law was miserable. Yeah. But under, and there was no grace when you got in trouble, there was no grace. You died. Yeah. They, they did. They, they would kill you. They would stone you. They stoned you for even going out picking up a, a bread or something on the Sabbath. Yeah. You can't live that way. Are you hearing me? He says, according to 1 Timothy 1.9, we realize that law is not enacted for the righteous. Please hear me. It's not inactive for the righteous, but for the lawless and the rebellious. Are you hearing me? It's for the ungodly and sinful, for the unholy and profane. It's for killers of fathers and mothers. It's for murderers. Do any of you, you know, do any of these describe you? I pray not. If not, then you're not under the law anymore. You're under grace. If you're not, you should be led by the Holy Spirit. And if you're led by the Holy Spirit, you're not under the law, according to Galatians 5.18. And according to James 2.10, no one can do that. For whoever keeps the whole law must stumble, that, but stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of them. Yeah. Right. Think about that. You're guilty if you break one. And there's thousands, you know. And the Pharisees added, what was it, Pastor Larry? I think the Pharisees added 640 more laws to the Ten Commandments. So there's no way. We have a hard enough time living under grace. I can't even imagine what it would be like trying to live under the law. And, and I do find myself doing that sometimes, too. I'm just as guilty because I'm trying harder and harder every day to not think that way, not to think the old way, but to think the new way. And it takes practice. It doesn't happen overnight because some of us have been taught wrong. And, 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 and sometimes it's hard to get rid of those things. But we can do it with the help of the Lord. We can do it. It says in Revelation 3.15, he says, I know 
all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. He said, I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. My point is, saints, and like I said before, God is not trying to condemn anybody here this morning. He wants you to wake up and, and, and for me to teach a strong enough message and a strong enough word that you will begin to think and, and quit visiting. I mean, just visit, but don't live over there anymore. Just live into what God, what Jesus died to give us. And grace, are you hearing me? You can't mix what you've learned from the law with what you've learned from grace. You can't mix the two. You, you, you will be put in a position where you won't benefit from any of them. Jesus demonstrated this when he said in Mark 2.21, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old and a worse tear will result. And Jesus also stated, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins. And both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. Instead, new wine is poured into new wineskins. Let me stop here and just take a second explain this. A lot of people feel like that if, when they read this, that they must have had to have a new wineskin every time they made wine every year. But this is not true. The wine skins, uh, the old ones, they would get old and crinkly. But all they had to do was soak them in some water and, and then rub some oil on them and soften them. And then they were able to use them again. But Jesus is saying that, that was, that's a Band-Aid fix. He didn't do that. He said you, he, he wanted it poured into, the wine poured into a new wine skin. Totally, totally out. Nothing left over. Not, 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 not remaking it. He didn't want the law. He didn't want it remade and recreated. He wanted it new. Yes. So he said he, did, he couldn't pour it into that. It had to be a new. He had to separate. And so he's talking about the new covenant. The two, the covenant of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's talking about it. And I don't have time to go into it this morning. Maybe next time. But it's kind of like, you know, when it goes in to say that, you know, Abraham two son, had two sons, and each represented was symbolic of the two covenants. One, you know, came from the free woman, and the other one came from Hagar. The other one that was not of great of the promise, it was of the flesh. Hagar gave birth to Ishmael, that was of the flesh. And um, Sarah gave birth to Isaac, that was, from the, that was the promise. And we've all probably had some Ishmaels in our lives. <laughs> I had a few but anyway moving right along <laughs> Jesus is making a simple statement of fact in Luke 5, 9, uh, 539 New Living says but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine the old is just fine they say so Jesus is making a simple statement of fact he's not saying he agrees that old is better he is saying that people think that the old is better. So he's not saying that old is better, he's saying that people think that old is better. He's warning against the tendency in people to hold on to the old, resist change, overvalue the old, and find false security in it. Yes. And that's why we do. We've, and, and so many preachers are still preaching on the uh, feast days and all this stuff going on and all the things that you've got to do in order to be saved and all these things to, to, to have the 
gift of the Holy Spirit in you. That's not, it's not true. Not true. Jesus was using the parable of the wineskin to compare the old Jewish relation, a religious system with the new message of the kingdom. As I was just saying, the old is still incompatible with the new. In closing, let me say this. Living under grace is all about trusting Jesus for everything and not trusting ourselves, our own efforts, or what we can do. It's, it's grace and only grace that empowers us to have victory over the enemy and to become more overcomers. In Galatians 4, 5, it says, God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. In verse 7, it says, Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Yes. You are his child, his daughter. I remind you again that you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God in 1 Peter 1.23. This should always be your answer when your enemy Satan or some friend tries to get you to say something other than what the word of God says. And go back to the Old Testament. In Numbers 22.18, Balaam replied to the servants of Balak. Though Balak, whatever, if he wants to give me his house full of silver and gold, he said, I could not do anything, either small or great, contrary to the command of the Lord my God. So no matter what anybody offers you, it doesn't compare with the word of God. In Numbers 23, 12, it says, he replied, must I not be careful to speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? Must I not be careful to speak what God puts in my mouth? And I close with that. Father, I thank you this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I couldn't have done it without you. And Holy Spirit, I wouldn't want to do it without you. Holy Spirit, you gave me a sense of boldness that allowed me to speak things that normally I might have been timid about. But Lord, I thank you that I don't have that timid timidity spirit anymore. I thank you, God, that you didn't give me a spirit of fear, but you gave me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I thank you, Father, that you did not give anyone listening under my voice a spirit of fear, but you also gave them a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So, Lord, I thank you for this word this morning. I pray that it went right directly to their hearts and to their spirit mind to be renewed. You said, Lord, to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And I pray this morning, Lord, that if they only got one word, that it was the word that they needed to turn their lives around and make it different. I know, Lord, that you love them. Me, you love all of them, and you only want what's best for them. But, Lord, we also know that the enemy is fighting you on every end. But we must realize that it doesn't matter what Satan says or does. The greater one is living in us. And greater is he that's in us and he that's in this world. And that he has no right to even come near us. 